All right. Welcome to episode 89 of the Art Fight Podcast. And we are going to slowly reveal our special guest today. But first, I want to make sure that you guys can see Joe. Yes, I can see Joe. Joe, you're, you don't know, but you're inside a television right now. This is that parallel universe everybody's talking about. Indeed, indeed. So uh, super excited uh, about today. Uh, admittedly, uh, this is our second run in this new setup with this guest. Uh, we had, uh, I, was, I was telling our, our guest earlier, the failure technically that we had last week reminded me of how painful it was when, you, uh, when I was an audio engineer and I missed, like when you were in a stu- studio session and the, and the guitar player plays finally like the perfect solo or whatever it is and you realize that you just didn't hit record or something, right? Uh, it was just one of those tragic feelings of, of failure. Uh, so it wasn't quite as bad as that, but still, uh, I'm just happy to get all this stuff sorted out. Everybody's been sort of dealing with this. So I, I, it's nice to not feel alone in failure. Uh, everybody's been having uh, these challenges. But uh, Joe, perhaps uh, you can tell me how you've been on your vacation and then introduce our guest for us. Uh, I've been good. I, yeah, we took a, we were supposed to be in, uh, in, uh, on the beach uh, last week, uh, celebrating uh the springtime and uh, my wife's birthday and uh of course we were not able to do that so we did our best to recreate our beach experience in the backyard and mostly succeeded you know i i'm i'm the kind of person that sort of like uh never really thinks about vacations you know and and i'm just sort of like don't understand why (laughs) you do that yeah but um uh but at the same time, it's like one of those things where I've, I've learned, especially in the last few years when we've done these beach vacations yeah. um, that aren't fancy or, you know, overly uh, expensive by any means. Mm-hmm. But still, it's just like a complete like unplugging yourself for a week and like dedicating yourself to just leisure, yeah. <laughs> which is well, at first I just feel like I even wince at the whole idea a little bit. And then three days in and I'm like a hundred percent, like a, like a, like a, like an otter swimming through a frozen stream. <laughs> it's just, I'm, it's beautiful. You're you know, back. so, so, and I was able to somewhat get back to that place this year Great. in the backyard. So, Great. Um, so uh, what yeah. I want to do is I want to uh, have you do a, a, another intro. This will be the second intro for us, the first for the world. Um, mm-hmm. But if you can introduce our, our, our special guest today, uh, I'm super excited about it. And honestly, it's one of those things where the first conversation was great and I'll release the transcript. We'll get the transcript out of that and maybe some recovered audio, but, but ultimately I kind of like the indictments in the future. Yeah. But, but I'm, but I kind (laughs) of like the idea that there's like another conversation right after this, a rarity. So anyway, uh, let's do it. Uh, yeah, well, I'll do my best to recreate that incredibly just beautiful bouquet of language that I made the first time. Uh, but, uh, I first met our, our, uh, guest this week years ago in the mid nineties. Okay. I'm getting confirmation from the person y'all can't see on, on your screen right now. Um, uh, and, uh, it was, yeah. And so we, uh, we had a lot of mutual friends as everyone in the, uh, Nashville creative communities do. And, uh, as, um, there was one friend in particular that I knew who I, who I was, you know, very close to at the time we hung out all the time together and there would be at least once a week, I would say something or do something or, share something or somehow it would come up that she would be turning to me and saying, you got to talk to clay. Like clay, did you meet clay yet? How come you don't know clay? Right. And so this kept coming up over and over again. Uh, and she kept on mentioning this person, clay Steakley, who she thought I could not believe I didn't already know because we obviously had so much in common. So fast forward, probably several months this had actually gone on where I'd heard this name over and over again, but never actually met this person. And, uh, it was a very rainy springtime. I was spending all my, uh, like mornings that I had off during the week at this place called Fido, uh, in uh, Hillsborough village in Nashville, still there for those of you, as far as I know, it's still there. I haven't been there. In a, uh, certainly not since the quarantine started, but I'm sure, I'm sure they'll come back and, uh, be, be as good as ever. But, uh, I was there having my usual, uh, breakfast burrito or whatever the hell I was eating back then in my coffee. And I was reading this book, which was like one of the only books at the time you could find about uh, Leonard Cohen. You could find the books that Leonard Cohen had written, but you couldn't find a whole lot of, you know, biographies or critical, you know, 
book length sort of treatments on the career of Leonard Cohen. So I'm reading this Leonard Cohen book, drinking my coffee, eating my burrito. And at some point, this guy who's sitting at this bar next to me asked me about this book I'm reading. And, you know, I'm like, oh, I didn't know anyone else, you know, in Nashville among my friends anyway at that time, you know, really seemed to know much or care much about Leonard Cohen. Me and this dude start talking for a while. At some point, we introduce ourselves to each other, and I realize, holy shit, you're Clay Steakley. And then from then on, it's just been it's been a bit of a whirlwind, hasn't it, Clay? So our our um our our guest this week is Clay Steakley, a, a musician, an actor, a longtime Nashville, and then right. not so much, and then back again. And um uh and we can talk all about your creative work and stuff, Clay. You've recently gone through some transitions, and you've been affected by the pandemic and all these things in ways that you know some of our listeners are definitely going to relate to. Uh, and it's good to have you on the show, especially right now, because uh, your recent story and your your story overall is really one about creative creativity and adaptation, and uh, we're glad to have you on the show. Thank you. Thanks, Joe. That was a very generous introduction. Oh, well, there we go. Hopefully it was as good as the first one. Clay will we'll come back every week. Clay, I think Clay is <laughs> fine with coming on every week. This is, this is pretty good. Yeah. It's good yeah. to <laughs> He's an official corner man of the uh, Art Fight <laughs> podcast at this point. <laughs> yeah so so clay uh how it's how's the last week been for you since we last talked but, <laughs> since we last talked. but like i don't want to it's it is a weird thing right how do you approach a, a sort of a redo um and i don't want it to be boring for any of us i don't want to be boring for anybody else but i also don't want to alienate anybody that has no idea what the hell we're talking about or what you do so maybe uh the simplest thing is to just offer up a bit of uh the, the sort of larger sort of uh, complexion of maybe what you're doing right now without, you know, we're, we'll drill into that a little bit more. And obviously a lot's happened with what you've been working on, even in the past week. So this is great. Uh, but generally just like uh, give people an idea of, of, of what you're doing and, and, uh, and then we'll kind of get a little bit of where you came from and what led you here. Uh, and then we'll get into just current events and the things that we want to get into. How's Absolutely. that sound? Cool. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. So, uh, what I'm doing these days is, um, uh, being unemployed, uh, um, in late March, as 30-some-odd million other uh, Americans have been, I was laid off. I lost my job. And I've been working as a, as a creative in the corporate world uh, for you know most of the past decade. And uh, in that time when I was sort of reevaluating what I want, what's important to me, how am I going to pay the bills, et cetera, et cetera, um, I realized that I really wanted to reconnect with the arts in a way that I I had I grown more distant from than I ever thought I would uh, in the years that I was kind of in the hustle, and mm-hmm. um, so I created uh, what we're here to um, kind of primarily to talk about today, which is OuterVoice.net, which is a, um, a website and a weekly e-newsletter that's uh, about the arts and about um, how artists find their voice, how they find their audiences, how they grow their audiences and stay in touch with them and what drives them, what keeps them up at night. Um, And it's across the board, um, discipline-wise, we've talked to theater people, uh, musicians. I talked to a scenic designer today, tomorrow. um, I have Cecil Baldwin, who's the voice of the Welcome to Night Vale podcast, Mm. um, an actor. And so we just talked to as many people as we can and kind of just talk about how great it is to do stuff that makes you feel alive and makes other people feel alive what a thought right <laughs> i mean it really is a I, I like how elemental and simple that is though and mm-hmm. um and one of the things that i i instantly knew that we had in common that i i, I really appreciate and maybe a, a lot of other people can relate to as well is just the idea that um and if they're not if they're not already comfortable with this idea they they may be in a position like you where they kind of have to right now but but the idea is that, that you know the, the corporate world the corporate cult, culture language the way that things are done and meetings about meetings and and all of that but then these weird you get these weird glimpses inside the corporate world right i mean i did i did a lot of years in software and high you know sort of high speed marketing kind of environments and sales environments and all that and and uh, it's weird. You can kind of carve out sometimes a pocket of, of a place where you can then be creative inside that as long as you're relaying. A lot of it's about communicating or sort of uh, in a weird way, uh, kind of syndicating your goings on, your, your reporting or whatever it is you're doing to the rest of the business 
almost just to pacify them so that you can kind of do the stuff that you really know <laughs> is actually effective and that you want to do. Uh, so there's a, there's a beautiful sort of outcome in the sense that uh, when you leave that environment and then you can kind of go do whatever you want to do, then, then you're left to your own devices and you can really use, use your creativity to, to do, you know, uh, marketing or branding or, you know, all of the other things. I mean, I, I'm almost so tired of almost all those words. I feel like they're very reductive and I feel like that yeah. people are just saying all these things, but anyway, so like in terms of your transit, like for me, at least I can say, my transition from the corporate world to full on freelancing, even though I was always freelancing while I was in the corporate world. Um, the biggest transition for me was uh, s- sort of holding myself accountable in ways that the business would hold me accountable. Uh, and at the same time, at the same time, shapeshifting those measurements of accountability to be more about what I think is actually important as opposed to what the business just wants to hear or the catchphrase that they want to hear this many impressions or this much engagement or, or whatever, right? They're, they're, they're really most, even the most high tech businesses that I've been in, uh, don't really seem to, uh, understand content marketing very well. Uh, and it's a, it's an uphill climb to do anything that's actually real and authentic. So I'm just curious about your sort of traversing from the corporate realm to where you are now and what maybe yeah. you, you're probably experiencing a lot of freedoms, but also a lot of new openings of, uh, you know, like, Oh, I need to be accountable for myself here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely, man. For every little, uh, realization or epiphany of like, Oh my gosh, I don't have this thing over me anymore. Then I had this other moment of like, how am I going to pay the rent? (laughs) So yeah, no, absolutely, man. But yeah, it's, um, my experience was very similar to what you're describing. You know, I was very fortunate, you know, anybody who gets to make a living as a creative in any way whatsoever is incredibly fortunate. And like, I remember every time I griped about it and I want to kick myself for it, you know, in retrospect, but, um, you know, I was very fortunate. I worked in for the past six, four, four years, four years, four, yeah, four years. Sorry. It's, I, what month is About it? like six. Yeah. <laughs> it, it did a time. Let me tell you, um, I worked in, uh, experiential design. So like designing spaces, like halls of fame and visitor centers and, uh, um, you know, stuff like that a lot in athletics. And, uh, I led the content team, the story team. Uh, we called it. And, you know, I, I had a lot of creative leeway, which was awesome. You know, you're always at your, you can be as creative as your client will allow you and as creative as uh, your bosses think is profitable. Um, and I was very, very fortunate, but there was always that balance of it's business, right? It's business. And at the end of the day, any business on the planet can talk about how much of a family they are. But you know what? You don't really get to fire your family members, or at least I haven't been able to figure out how to. (laughs) You guys might. Um, And I guess what I'm saying is that I got to work with all these brilliant people. And the, the amazing thing about it is I got to learn from them, right? I learned from these incredible design directors. I learned from artists. I learned from salespeople. Um, I learned from the digital people. I learned from our clients. And then to be cut free of the, that corporate thing, you cut free of the sort of the safety net, right? And your, your golden parachute or whatever, those, those threads have been snipped. But I could take that sort of savvy and that ability to um, brainstorm and to, to create quickly, to ideate, as much as I hate that word. That's a word I hate. I prefer words. <laughs> but... Um, be able to ideate quickly and then apply it to something that I feel like really has meaning. Um, not that that work doesn't have meaning. It does have meaning, but I think, you know what I'm saying? Something that comes from within you instead of something right. that you're doing in return for a paycheck, you know? Yeah. And, uh, and yeah, and it's, it's, um, the really liberating thing, Brian, going back to what you're saying, I kind of got a little bit off the rails there is That's that what we're here for <laughs> is that I found that, I could apply a lot of what I learned on like the branding side and the corporate copywriting side and advertising these things. I could apply those to the arts, to small arts organizations, to artists as individuals, you know, musicians, visual artists, anybody on how you separate yourself from the pack, right? How you differentiate yourself, what your voice is that is essentially like a brand identity. But, um, you know, Joe, we talked about this a lot um, last time without um, without being so reductive as to think of yourself as your brand, because you're not a brand, you're a human being, 
you know, Nike is a brand because Nike is a collection of a whole lot of shit, right? It's a collection of a lot of people's ideas, a lot of money that goes into that. There's a really jacked up supply chain that goes into that, but you're not that. You're a human who is making something because something inside you needs to communicate this. Mm -hmm. And there are people out there who need it and they're looking for you and you're looking for them. And so my job that I've taken on is to try to find a way to help make that connection and mm. stop doing like synergy hand gestures in the process. <laughs> <laughs> I find myself doing that mostly when I'm ideating. Yes. Um, but uh, what did you, can I, can I ask what you just said? I met you, at least in my headphones, I, that I lost the word. You said that you don't like the word ideating. You prefer to say what? Worky eight. Worky eight. <laughs> oh, I like that. That's good. That's yeah. good. I'm glad I asked. I'm glad I stopped you to bring the whole podcast to a halt so I could hear the one word I missed. Well, I mean, yeah. I, I will say that like, there, like design thinking though is a thing. I mean, it's yeah. a, it's a school of yeah. thought, but anyway, go ahead, Joe. Yeah. But anyway, so I, uh, um, but one of the things that, you know, I, you know, we're kind of like reflecting, you know, some of the things we talked about last week, but uh, you know, one of the reasons why I appreciate the way that you're differentiating, you know, Nike from an individual artist is that's part of the, the stuff that gets lost in translation for many artists. And, you know, when they, you know, uh, especially back in the day when when we had more of a traditional, uh, uh, you know, music business model in place and it was like this, you know, sort of rote sort of path of, you know, uh, you know, get your shit together, make some demos, make some connections, try to get to a label, get signed, you know, and da da da. And yeah. then a lot of times that would go off the rails because that person would then start to be treated like a swoosh instead of like an artist. Yeah. And the next thing you know, you know, that they have this terrible experience of feeling like they're a product in a plastic bag instead of, you know, uh, uh, a, uh, some kind of a, a expression of their soul. <laughs> right? And yeah. so, and, and, and I think that that goes both ways. You know, I, I always, in those cases, whenever an artist tells me that they feel like that happened to them, I always side with the artist. Cause I always believe that at least from their perspective, that's what happened. And, and I'm sure that it did. Um, and at the same time, I also think that there's, there is the space that you're talking about, which is, you know, it's it's also on you to to figure out how to get your message to the people. It's not yeah, enough just to right. create, put the letters in a bottle and throw them out in the ocean. I mean, I guess maybe that's if that might be enough for you in some way or something. But to me, it's like there's. I kind of am of a belief without getting too religious about it or anything. I am of a belief that like there, there, there's something kind of mystical happening when you're, when you create something new, a new song, a new painting, what have you. Yeah. And, and therefore on some level, it's like, that's part your work, but it's also part something that you just found out there in the thing <laughs> that was waiting for you somehow. And it's it's sort of your job to become better at finding those things out there. And then when you find them, it's sort of also on you to make sure that they get out there where somebody else can can be moved by them and experience them. And that's the job you're actually given as an artist by the things. <laughs> the things are saying, hey, I'm over here. <laughs> you you're the you're the one who can pick me up and take me to the next place. But but yeah. it's on you to get it there. You know what I mean? So I feel like a lot of that stuff that we think of as simply selling, marketing, branding, all that stuff, that's the all of those techniques and and toolkits and things Maybe on some level, it's not on the artist to have to learn all of them for themselves. But the 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 end goal of what those things are trying to accomplish, I think somehow that is still on you. You know what I mean? It's not enough just to paint the picture and leave it in your room. You know what I mean? It's like you, you, you you've got to get it somewhere where people can actually be affected by it. Like if you're not somehow connecting to an audience somehow, you haven't completed the circuit in a way. You know. Yeah, absolutely, man. I think especially now, because, you know, like you mentioned, you know, the music, like every, every arts discipline right now is in some state of flux. I mean, before the pandemic, before everybody's trying yeah. to recreate what they do, you know, and, and, right. and now especially, but yeah, you're absolutely right. It's like, we don't have the things that at one time, we don't have that infrastructure 
mm-hmm. that we once had, you know, and, you know, Joe, um, you know, I look back on my career and I laugh a lot because I have a tendency, <laughs> like I've had a lot of different jobs, a lot of different careers and it's uh-huh. not by choice, you know, and like I was in a signed band in like what, 1995 or whatever. Mm-hmm. And the record industry crumbled, you know? And so then yeah, that was like, that was like, right. It was like Pompeii in that moment. Yeah. You're like, woo. It's like, what's that sound? <laughs> it's like, exactly. That is a volcano. <laughs> Make a whole movie about like me showing up and like destroying things unintentionally. Cause it was like music industry. And then it was print journalism, you know, <laughs> yeah, and then I go to theater and film and I did, fortunately I didn't manage to destroy those. Um, right. I just kind of, petered out on that but you know and then i end up in experiential design and then what happens you know pandemic and nobody can go to a thing <laughs> so i'm gonna this is I interesting guess, what's this your might next be our last podcast everybody yes yeah. it sorry guys i meant to <laughs> about that but you know but it is true and that's where you know i feel like i take some of that with me and you know you know like you guys and like i'm sure basically everybody who's watching or listening to this like we have we're artists and we have friends who are artists and we watch them struggle with this and we watch them like you know be like how in the hell am i supposed to get heard when i look at spotify and there are 4.7 they're like more bands on spotify than there are people on earth you know and how am i supposed to get heard how am i supposed to get seen you know and especially now because i can't go play a gig you know and so yeah i feel like it's something that we all deal with in some way and part of like what I'm trying to do too is bring back like empathy and kindness and slowness to all of it mm-hmm. because and a lot of that's like me trying to bring it back to myself I mean to be to be honest uh, as I think I wrote about today thinking about losing my job is like re-engaging with slowness re which we're all in this big pause right now and we have a great opportunity to you know mm-hmm. those of us who are privileged enough to pause because a lot of people aren't right yeah yeah right. yeah you know reconnect with slowness reconnect with like being kind and not expecting something in return <laughs> yeah and so i mean i, I feel like that's kind of connected with it it's too. almost like in a weird way it's almost like uh you know for those who don't know in nashville we had a a, a tornado come through that was on march 3rd or 4th or 5th mm-hmm. early march and then it was a matter of days days later than we were all of a sudden uh in the throes of of the pandemic so I guess what what is interesting to me is that you're talking about this sort of slowness and this return to a, a, an empathy and a kindness as sort of a, a a basis to operate from. If you think about the tornado, the response, the event itself is so condensed. Um, it happens, and then all of a sudden it's over, and then there's the aftermath, and then everybody gathers and supports each other and goes out and cuts down trees and you know does all the things to 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 rebound and to sort of commune over it in whatever way as part of that process and then it, you know even without the pandemic those things just kind of trickle away pretty quickly um uh and then with the there's something different with the pandemic in the sense that it's not visible there's not trees down outside there's not a flood uh and the the, the stretch of the sort of prolonging of even being aware that something's going on and then what is it and what does it mean and what are the implications and does this affect me or just kind of other people or is this a me thing or everybody thing or and you're the the whole experience is such an incredibly prolonged thing that we're still in obviously i wonder if that sort of has any effect perhaps on on just the 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 ability to sort of uh, be a little zen about whatever's happening because it's just it's in this weird quiet uh sort of perpetuity right no absolutely man i think i really think i really feel like it does you know and i've been you know as a part of like doing these interviews over the past four or five weeks or whatever and i've been talking with people all over the country with artists you know all over the country and all these different disciplines and they're all feeling that in some way or another and you know like all of us they're reacting to it in different ways like some people are like i've got way too much time with my own thoughts and other mm-hmm. people are like thank god i have so much time with my own thoughts but they're all thinking about what what's it going to look like on the other side of this and um for better or worse, they kind of have come to a point where they realize they don't want it to be the same as it was in some way or another. You know, there's something they want that they want to be better. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I think for me, at least that's where like I find the better thing by going back and retreating and slowing down and being kind to other people and looking out, you know. Um, but yeah. I feel yeah. like it's also a thing where you're sort of 
uh, a lot of people have been going back through archives and uh, reconciling perhaps with some areas of the the past or you know comfortable uncomfortable whatever uh, it's a weird it's a weird thing and you know we we say all this like we're really going through it and then Joe is uh vacationing on his fake beach in his backyard <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to avoid reality at all costs <laughs> that would be a great epitaph the uh, um, the the uh this idea of the slowness thing I think is interesting and it reminds me of something that like the fight community that listens to the podcast will know about about me and Brian were talking about this the other day I, I don't know if it was actually on the podcast or just before we got started on uh, on our new uh, Tuesday segment the other day but um, there's a there's a saying that they use in jujitsu where they say that uh, slow is smooth and smooth is fast Therefore, it's like an associative uh, equation where it's slow is smooth, smooth is fast. Therefore, slow is fast. Right. This is jujitsu thinking. Right. (laughs) So the idea is the idea is, you know, essentially like you need to invest your attention into a thing if you're going to learn how to do it correctly. And if you take the time to do it slow you'll learn how to do it right. And if you learn how to do it right, you'll be able to do it real fast, you know? But if you rush through it and rush through it and rush through it, you'll, you won't get it right and you'll, you'll ultimately be slower, you know? And this is, it really goes back to the same idea of any kind of learning where it's like the, the, it's, it's really about consistency over time. It's not about maximum effort now and maximum effort the next time. It's, it's like, you're going to burn out. You're going to get hurt. You're going to get you know, I mean, all these things are going to go wrong. And even if you make some quick gains early, you're going to drop off in, in, in ways that you don't even know. But if you can just do a little bit today and a little bit tomorrow and a little bit the next day and constantly just keep, you know, dripping away at it, you'll ultimately be at the top of the mountain. You know what I mean? And it's it's I think it's hard for people to uh, for whatever reason, we're impatient. Certainly, um, American uh, people like us. <laughs> you know, I don't know a whole lot. I, I consider myself to be somebody who's like, I'm like the person who wants to do the shitty thing first, so I can do the cool thing later. Uh-huh. I want to get the work out of the way. I can, del- I can, you know, delay the gratification a lot. It's so but Michigan, day, man. That's so Michigan, I, right? <laughs> <laughs> but at the end of the day, I'm still the. I still am. The whole strategy is about getting to that gratification. Yeah. You know what I mean? Okay. And so, so uh, I, I just it just so happens that I enjoy it so much more when the table is cleared and now I can just wallow in it. <laughs> so I don't like yeah. having something. Oh, I got to still do this other thing. No, no, get that thing done and then do the other thing. Yeah. But but nonetheless, even if you have that mindset, you know, you're you're still wanting to you know achieve the next thing tick the next box you know what i mean mm-hmm. and and i think that you know the slowing down part is 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 very fundamental to 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 everything that we supposedly say this podcast is about <laughs> really. yeah. the gateway to the flow state man but it, yeah, but, it, exactly. but, it, but it really is i mean it, it is something where everybody that's had a slow know, equals flow yeah that's well our new, that's i our learned new, it as i learned it as a math class this <laughs> I just learned it as uh, I just learned it as slow as fast, uh, yeah. and I just learned it in the in the context of skydiving, and so they were saying that you know when you wave off and pull, uh, you you know you count to five, and then if you don't have if you're if the parachute the bag hasn't sort of come out and then opened, uh, then then you need to start looking back and to see if you can do anything to make it open or try to jettison the the parachute or whatever but the thing was is write that epitaph <laughs> right but, the, but then you get into the, it's so funny because you're, you're i mean I'm, I'm i'm aware of it i've internalized it i'm fully aware that in this moment that that's the, that's going to be what plays in my head and what they what they trained me for and then when it gets to the point where i pull my chute I mean, it's it's like this. It's like you you pull it and it's like one two three four five. What the what the fuck is going on? Like you know, this is no oh no like five. <laughs> yeah, it really was though. I mean, and they, and they were because they even tell you like one do one thousand you know one one thousand two one thousand 
But when you're free falling through the sky at terminal velocity, it's really hard to find your center in that way. And, and, <laughs> and the pace and the timing of like the, the brutality of the wind on you and the chaos of it all versus like this inner part of you that is just, you know, like, hey, just relax. Everything's fine. So in that dire sort of compression of a situation, I feel like even though it's not fighting, fighting is something where people are risking their lives. And uh, it's uh, and it's something where because of, I think, the, the nature of those uh, impacts upon them, how dangerous it can be and everything, that they have to get really good, I think, at, uh, at managing that internally. So, you know, for us, we, we get to be like, well, let me just take my... Let me see how this, uh, my creative energy for the pandemic situation, you know, let me, it's, it, it's a, it's a lighter weight consideration, but, uh-huh. but I think it's all the same mechanism. And we, we've talked about this kind of flow state thing. Uh, it's real. And, uh, you know, there's artificial ways you can get there too, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man. But no, you're absolutely right. I mean, talk about elemental, you know, I mean, that's ultimate, that's, you know, the ultimate elemental thing for, for both is like slowness to learn the fundamentals right and to master the fundamentals and to hit that fugue state and that flow state where you can anticipate what's coming next you can what you can you learn to pick up on cues from people you can learn to pick up on cues from from situations you know and it yeah i really but yeah i like that that comparison though to like we have this like well you know i might have you know another year to figure out how this is going to work <laughs> i don't have you know you know a tenth of a second before a fist hits my cheekbone you know yeah well you know, you know one of the things that we've been kind of uh, touching on a little bit in each of our episodes that we've managed since all this started is about sort of collecting yourself enough to be able to communicate your your projects and your vision uh grant writing all of those tool sets and we really want to continue to um be in you know not an authority but perhaps some sort of resource or like people that you can kind of feel like you're kicking these these thoughts around with you know but uh every artist right now should be getting on the stick with with grants and really understanding how this how all this works there is funding for projects there is things that are happening there are budgets that have to get used um and you know joe i know you've been you've been down this path uh, uh, even what this week right i mean so mm-hmm. so uh we we touched on some of this last time but i'd like to sort of reintroduce it because i think that the combination of joe your experience and pragmatism and then clay with your uh just ability to sort of find a, an essence and communicate that simply I, i'd love mm-hmm. to hear from you guys you know if you were if you were talking to uh an artist that does you know uh show work and feels like maybe some of these opportunities are perhaps above them or maybe they're a little, you know, cause I think that there's a lot of artists that sit in a category that feel like they're, they're kind of alienated by that because they're not gallery artists in a, or whatever. So, yes. so anyway, I'd love to hear you guys kind of kick that around. You go ahead, Clay. Okay. Well, um, <laughs> Joe knows, Joe's, Joe is a, Joe's great at um, get actually getting these grants. He, he knows how to, he knows how to navigate the the insane bureaucracy of it, which is hugely important. But, you know, the thing for me, um, and we talked about this a little bit last time too, Brian, I'm glad you brought it up again, is that, uh, you know, as far as it, I feel like, and shit, I'm, I'm old and it took me a long time to, to learn this for myself, but I feel like, like there's no reason that you shouldn't be able to distill what you do and why you do it into a simple, clear sentence that anybody can understand, you know? But the thing is like, we tend not to do that, right? And somebody comes to you and they're like, so what's your, what's your work? You know, and they ask those boneheaded questions like, so what's it about? Or, you know, whatever. And you go, well, there's a little bit of this and there's the, you know, in 1923 in Berlin and like all this stuff. And then you, next thing you know, you, you they've wandered off, you know? <laughs> Um, but I really, I really believe in the in the value of sitting down and writing out your mission, your vision, your values, and like clearly stating them and then vetting them with people you trust who know your work and know you and who have good bullshit meters. Um, and the thing is, like any any time you're doing any grant writing or if you're writing any sort of a, a proposal or an RFP or anything like that. You're going to have to talk about that and it's going to have to be clear. It's going to have to be persuasive because nobody's going to want to give you money if they don't think that you have a clear vision, if they don't think you understand how to spend it, if they don't think you'll spend it wisely. Um, and I did this exercise with myself. I wrote a thing about it last week. I was like, OK, I started out her voice. I should probably actually write this myself. And I sat down and wrote a mission and vision and values. And guys, I, 
I can't even begin to tell you how it was a relief too, since I always tell people to do it, but how clarifying it was for me uh-huh. because I had like this sort of fog and this idea, you know, even the last time we talked about what it was that this was about and what it was, it was doing. I was like, distill it, distill, mm-hmm. it, you know, and, uh, it's, it's hugely valuable. And I feel like that's where you have to start. And also if you start there, it helps clarify what grants you want to go for and what, you know, what you want to respond to and what you don't. Mm-hmm. And then uh, from that point, I think Joe should take over, really, because he knows the inner workings of it. I, don't know. Well, I think way, that's all. I'm sorry. Just so I can see you, Clay, be like beating yourself on the head, like, distill it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just, <laughs> you idiot. You tell other people to do this. You can't even do it for yourself. Yeah. That's exactly what it was. Like, stupid. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, well, Joe. I think, go ahead. I think, well, I think one thing, uh, like the way that you're talking about this with the word distill, especially, I think. I think that you've got kind of a writerly take on this. And I think that's where a lot of artists, especially visual artists, get stumped by this process because ultimately at the end of the day, you are writing a grant. And so I think that's that right there is is a stumbling block for a lot of people, you know, who uh, may not be uh, adept or inclined to be writing about their about anything, let alone writing work or writing about their work, you know? So I think that's, you know, if I've been able to be successful in some of these things, I think partly it's because like writing is probably the central thing that I do, you know? And, and even though I might be doing all these other things, uh, they all kind of touch back to writing for me. So writing grants, it's like, it's not as fun as writing songs, but it's still writing, you know? And it's still in many ways, you know, is effective for the same reasons when it's effective, you know? And, and part of that is, that distilling, which gives you clarity, which gives you direction, which gives you persuasion and all these things that you need to be able to have. Um, I think uh, another thing I like about what you said is just the idea that like the that first of all, that it's important to be able to to tell people what the hell you're doing, you know, and uh, or what you want to do. I just like uh, uh, Brian just mentioned, I just finished a grant this week and I was just sort of whining about it on Twitter a little bit. But um, but it was one of those things where when it comes to all writing, I sort of know that it's like the sooner I can get these words on a page, the sooner I can start editing this. And the sooner I can start editing it, the more time I'll have to edit. And what what does more time editing give me? It gives me that distillation. It gives me that clarity. So really, one of the successes of writing is just do it early and 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 work on it a lot, right? That's yeah. one of the things that helps a lot with writing. So when it comes to these grant processes, which can also be full of surprises, like suddenly you didn't realize just how much writing was going to be required, or all of a sudden you get to the end and you need these documents you didn't even know you had to have because you didn't read the instructions properly at the beginning. And also there's always a surprise in there or whatever. So I like to get started on these things earlier than later. Um, this thing I got started on a, a later than I had planned on, but it was really just about as early as I could get to it, given other things I've had going on. Uh, so, so I had you know about three days to get this grant proposal done, and I kind of had it where I could prioritize doing this over that time. Um, and I sort of, I'm sort of glad that I only had this sort of limited window to work on it because I think it, I had just enough, I had enough time to do it. Ultimately, I wasn't sure I would, but I did. Uh, and having that little bit of pressure of like, I've got to get this done and I've got to focus on this thing. I think that helped me too. And, and two things I discovered in this latest process of going through another one of these grants. Um, uh, I, first of all, I learned the fact of, a lot of times you don't know exactly how you don't know how to describe this particular project that you're proposing until you just get in there and start doing it, you know, and then all of a sudden in the process of doing it and having to do it and having to express it, you suddenly, you know, I mean, Tuesday morning I woke up and I was on fire. Like I was on Monday was shaky. 
Tuesday morning, I was on fire, man. And I just cranked a whole bunch of workout on Tuesday. And it was just coming. And I, I could see it all. I understood it all better. All of a sudden, I was like, oh, and this connects to this. And this makes my whole thing even better. And if I mention this, how can they say no? You know what I mean? <laughs> so, uh, uh, so, so it really, it, it helped me to understand what I was proposing. And it helped me to understand that my proposal was even better than I thought it might be. Once I got in there and started doing it. So I think, I think again, it was one of those lessons of it's good to try to prepare. It's good to try to plan, but ultimately it's almost better if you sort of just like grab the stuff you think you're going to need and then just go and do it. You know what I mean? Instead of spending another week trying to figure out how the perfect thing is going to work out for you once you get in here and start doing this thing that you really ultimately will not be able to predict. You know what I mean? You're going to have to just get in there and start doing it. And kind of, I, I really do love the idea of trying to just grab what you think you're going to need and trying to put together some kind of a game plan. Uh, it's like D-Day, though, because the next thing you know, you didn't land on the right beach. And, you know, uh, the, the what, why is this artillery here? <laughs> you know, and now you got to be a soldier and figure it out and win the battle. It doesn't matter why or what or what you thought was going to happen. So that's a bit of a dramatic, a bit of a dramatic thing when it comes to my grant writing. But, uh, but essentially, I am like a D-Day soldier, and I believe that we'll have a victory soon. <laughs> but uh, uh, but I, that was one part of it. And the other part of it was more just the longer term thing a lot of times grants and awards and things like this uh will have like uh registration fees and things like that associated with them so it can be cost prohibitive for artists to just practice doing this a lot you know what i mean and if you are wading into the world of grants and if you can find three or four grants that you think might be good ones for you to do and that might apply to your work and the cost of applying for them is low or nothing. This one I did this week was nothing. Um, uh, uh, I would say it's good just to do them because in the doing of them, you're setting yourself up for a situation where you might win a grant. You might get the money that will help you do your projects. It's always like a, it's like it's a two-pronged win every time you get one of these things because you get the funding and you also get the resume star where you say, oh, I'm the guy who won that grant last year. Yeah. <laughs> you know, And, and you, can, you can trade off that for a long time. Yeah. And it's going to help you get more grants. Once people see that, oh, they gave you $5,000, well, hell – well, maybe we'll give you $5,000 because Not, obviously yeah. you're worth it because you've shown somebody else that you deserved it. It's a lot easier for the second person to give you the money or for that same person to give you more money because yeah. now you're, you, you were so cool and you did such a great job. We know that if we give you even more money this time, it's probably just going to be better. So, so there's reason there's, there's lots of good reasons to be pursuing these things. And there's also the thing of you're just putting yourself through the exercise again where somebody's like, give me your bio. And it's like, even just your bio, explaining who you are as an artist uh, now versus who you were last year or the year before, just that alone is like an ongoing exercise that will never, ever end until you just hang it all up and become a farmer, whatever it is we're going to do later. <laughs> but, but I feel like, I just feel like the the exercise of making yourself tell somebody who you are and what you're doing in writing is it's invaluable for your practice for yourself. You know what I mean? So it's got value that, that is above and beyond whatever it is you're trying to fund and whether or not you get the funding, etc. cetera. Yeah. yeah. So, and then, you know, it's this, I love that, uh, Joe, how it's the, the part you mentioned, I, don't think about enough is the part about uh parlaying you know uh and building on momentum and yeah that's a really hard thing to do because when you've finally gotten over the hill with even something you it's easy just to sort of uh uh you know it's, it's the bane of the freelancer right like you get the gig for whatever it is you're trying to do and then yeah. you put your head down and then you blaze on that for three weeks or a month or whatever it is <laughs> and the whole time right. you're not doing any you know business development or whatever you want to call it right and yeah. then you there's pick, still a war in the pacific theater brian <laughs> we're not <laughs> done yet and then you kind of pick your head up and you realize it's sort of crickets the world's changed around you because you just finished this thing but uh but clay like with with uh with outer voice let's walk people through a little bit about uh 
uh, now that it's kind of up and it's happening, uh, how, how do they, how do they get it? How do they become a part of it? Um, yeah. how do they contribute? How do they benefit? Uh, how do they give you money? Um, mm-hmm. and then That's how do they it. give you more money? Exactly. Exactly. I'm going to parlay that in more and more. Um, <laughs> well, uh, the, the simplest way is to go to outervoice.net. That's the website, and that's where everything lives, outervoice.net. And then I'm on all the Instas and the Tweeters and the Facebooks and all those things as well. Um, by, usually by the way, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not doing the fold down of the podcast episode here yet. I want to hear how you people find you on the Twitters and yeah, things. Yeah. But, what yeah. I, but I really want you to talk about Outer Voice a little bit more specifically because we just haven't really mm-hmm. quite gotten into it in terms of yeah. what is it materially, how do you get it, uh, oh, totally. and then what is the benefit? What is? Uh, give me the, your uh, – you, you worked on this elevator pitch, right? So. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay, so here we go. Yeah, yeah, explain it to me. So, yeah, so Outer Voice <laughs> exists um, to, uh, empower artists and connect audiences through conversation and discovery. That's our mission. I just quoted it for you. I just <laughs> read off the screen right here. Um, I love no, it. But that's, what it, that's what it's about. Right. And so if you go to outervoice.net, that's where everything lives for free. You can subscribe for free. Every Friday, I send out a newsletter and every Friday we post one artist interview and two articles, um, that I've written. Um, and the artist interviews, like I mentioned before, are across all um, all disciplines. And we talk about uh, we talk a lot about the pandemic just because it's on everybody's mind, yeah. and so it comes up no matter what. Sure. Um, but we talk about how they got to where they are, um, how they uh, what the relationship is like with their with their audience, um, and we talk about um, why they do what they do, what pisses them off about what they do, uh, what turns them on about what they do. Um, how they want to change the world or people or whatever by what they do. Um, and we kind of try to dig deep fast, you know. Um, now, there's another side of this, which I'll, I'll go ahead and pitch real quick. If you want to get on my Patreon, you can join the Not-So-Secret Society. Boom. Um, it's five bucks a month. Um, but for that five bucks a month, you get extended interviews with each of those people because, you know, I'm, I'm – I'm giving you a five minute video from an hour conversation because you know, it's, it's hard to watch a YouTube interview. That's more than five minutes as a talking head with some B roll, you know, here we go. But, We're right in the middle of one. Yeah. So thanks. Well, I mean, but there's just three of us, <laughs> but you're right. You're hundred percent right. Yeah. Yeah. I love um, the digestible sort of, uh, thought out nuggets as well. Yeah. And I'm trying to do that, trying to walk that balance between like, I don't want it to be all like listicles and little short bloggy things, but at the same time, I don't want it to be like, where my thoughts on this are yeah. very important, you know. Yeah. Um, but uh, and then the other pieces that I write, I write one every week that's called "What I Learned From," and it's something. Sometimes it's a book I wrote. I believe we talked about it before. I wrote one, "What I Learned From Mismatch: How Inclusion Shapes Design," which is an awesome design book, and it's all about inclusive design. There's a great section just on video game controllers. That's mm. just fat. That's really really good. Um, but I wrote the last one I wrote this week is what I learned from losing my job. And it's like, okay, it's been two months since I lost my job. What's rattling around in my head now? And then the other piece that I write is typically connected to how you as an artist can, um, distill what you do, what you say and communicate it more clearly. Like this week's is about ambassadors and about, the importance of that person who loves what you do so much that they're an evangelist for you yep. and how easy it is for us to forget about them and take them for granted yeah. and how it is to, to, to make, to, to foster a relationship with people like that. And if you're just starting out, those are the people who are going to help you find more audience members, you know? And so it's, mm-hmm. it's stuff like, it's stuff like that. Um, it's also good to embrace even people that are counter to you, right. Uh, in the yeah. same way. And just to say, totally. okay, I, I'm, I'm I'm big enough on some level to listen and it doesn't mean I have to adapt exactly what I'm doing mm. to the specifications that you suggest, but I'm thoughtful and aware enough to consider you and, and to engage you on that. You know, I think yeah. there's, but yeah, the, the whole sort of brand champion uh, sort of mm-hmm. uh, having somebody, you know, because in the business world, it's, it's um, if you're in a selling situation and you feel like, ah, oh, I'm really having to sell upward in this company, uh, it's very, it's a very tough thing to do, but you, you can do it and you need those people that are enough brand champions around to where the decision makers just catching enough wind of positive things to say, okay, that's actually a solution for us or, or whatever. 
<laughs> but what I was going to say is, um, uh, in terms of your uh, distillation um, yeah. process, is that something that you have applied in some sort of a, a formulaic kind of way? Like I have my method of doing this, or is it really more freeform, interpretive, and ultimately just about the end goal? How Because I would imagine that for a lot of people, that path could be very different, or they might benefit from being sort of soup Nazi'd into like, nope, here's the one, two, three of what you got to do, and yeah. you just got to like it, and then you'll get there. You, you know, It might be painful, but you'll like the result kind of style. Right. Yeah, that's a that's a great question. Well, you know, Brian, I started out like I'm sure you've done as well doing things like SWOT analysis and things like that where you're it's sort of formulaic, but it's but it's um, uh, but it gets results where you look at, you know, what are your strengths and weaknesses and opportunities and whatever the T is uh, anyway. Um, and so, you know, I, I've been in that world, but what I learned um from years of being a, a, a journalist and interviewing people and having conversations and having artist friends. And then what I learned from these past few years, um, leading discovery for this company that I work for is the most important, it, the process is dictated by the person you're talking to. And so what you do first is you listen. And so that's how I always start is by conversation like this. And I just ask as many questions as I can and I ask questions that are dictated by where the person's going in the conversation. And then that dictates how we distill things from there. Because you know how it is when, you, when you're talking to a person, they really quickly tell you by talking about what they like, what they don't like, what turns them on, what keeps them up at night. You quickly learn what they're about and you learn what they're passionate about and you learn where they want to go. And then I take that and I look at, okay, well, what differentiates you? What are your strengths? What are the things that people respond to? And then we distill that down. And then the other important thing is talking about is talking about your values. That's why I feel like that that's something that's important to write out. Like I came up with five for outer voice, but to have values that you dictate and that you're you're willing to champion, you're willing to stand up to, um, because if you tell people what you stand for, then the people who are attracted to you are gonna be are going to feel even more loyal to you because of that and there might be people who like your work but disagree with your values disagree with your politics or whatever that's fine you can't please everybody and you know it's not like you're not going to get trolls anyway um but if you show that you stand for something you know and mine are all about mine are about um about inclusion mine are about listening mine are about um um the importance of exploration. So it's not like, you know, it's not like if you like Trump, you can't talk to me. Um, I say that for the, for Thanksgiving. But, <laughs> Once a year. <laughs> yeah, um, but no, that's, I, I hope that's a good answer. Yeah, no, that's is, good. And yeah. I, it's very organic because you yeah. know, it's, well, I, I just like the idea of, of, and we 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 touched on this a little bit uh, before as well. It's it's essentially a reversal in sort of the typical directionality, right? You, of everything. When you're young, it's about me, and then when you get older, you start to develop as a habit a uh, deeper intellectual curiosity about things that you want to satiate and that you want to uh, relate to the world in a lot of different ways. So I think that um, as a precedent to serve or elevate others as a principle is is a thing that uh is maybe harder for some people to get to quickly but you know but i think that at least for me that's um the most satisfying experiences i've ever had have been when i've been been able to sort of help someone else get to a thing but get my vision in there in a way that was only helpful and supportive as opposed to uh, commandeering a project or, or, you know, something like that. So, uh, conversation, you know, it's, it's, it's a, it's a lost art, you know, and we're all trying to figure it out. And now we're in this digital idiom trying to figure out the sort of the rhythms and this sort of, um, the pulse and the flow of conversation. I mean, this is just, we're in, we're in the middle of a lot of things still, but, uh, Oh, I I mean, I'm so glad I just, I just remembered this. Okay. I did not prepare you for this at all. So, uh, and we are live on the internet. So let's just, um, and, uh, oh, Joe, what, what's your mug there? This is my, uh, blog insomnia. Stay awake. Stay awake. Yeah, there you go. 
Joe Nolan's insomnia. Don't get that confused with anybody else's <laughs> insomnia. That's Joe That's Nolan's that's insomnia. My insomnia. <laughs> so the thing I didn't prepare you for, uh, Clay, and you, if you don't have an answer or a story for this, that's fine. But I'm I'm really interested in uh, if you. What I have found is that you can learn, I think, the most about a person and perhaps what they do or how that relates to the world by just asking them. What and it doesn't have to be like about the latest version of yourself, right? This could be something when you were a teenager, it could be anything formative. Um, but when was the last time you had an absolute oh shit moment of just cataclysmic failure or uh, like like humiliation or something where like one of those things where it, it makes you feel like um, your insides are turning out, you know, yeah. uh, one of those, one of those gut feeling things. Man, I, I, the problem to me is probably narrowing it down to one. <laughs> no, I, I, I had a, I had a pretty amazing one actually, Brian, now that you mentioned it, I thought of it. Um, I think I mentioned it to you guys, but I thought of it after uh, you were beating yourself up after having technical difficulties. Uh, yeah. After first conversation, but I had, um, you know, so I was working for this, this experiential design firm and I, my title is head of story. Right. And I was a director and I had a team that I led, you know, there were three of us, but I felt really important. And so I would travel around the country and do these discovery interviews with clients. And usually it was with a film crew. Um, or sometimes it was just one-on-one and we just do an audio recording, but I had this one with this big science firm. Um, and, I had worked on this whole thing to make my team more um, more profitable, essentially, was I got a video camera and a shotgun mic so that I could do some of them myself, save the company money, get myself a raise, that kind of thing. And uh, I spent an entire day interviewing scientists and, like, executives at a science real estate firm and, like, people who started, like um, – venture capital firms and things like that. I spent a whole day, I spent eight hours interviewing people. And in the final minutes of the final interview, I realized that I had never turned the microphone on. And I had recorded eight hours of audio free video. <laughs> and I thought I was going to grow up. I seriously, I almost started crying. Um, <laughs> he was very generous about it. I, I, I'll be totally honest with you. After like hitting up every filmmaker I knew to see if there's some way that I could like magically get audio. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that was a weird set of phone calls. Oh yeah, it was really weird. <laughs> um, but I even I even like looked up like lip readers to see if I could get somebody to do a transcription for me. <laughs> oh, that um, is. <laughs> you could do like a voiceover. <laughs> yeah, and you know what the worst part was we never had a client ask for the footage because I would use it to create a brief for the design directors. You know. That was the one time with the one client where they asked for the footage. Mm. And it was like, well, so yeah, yeah, that was mine. That's my most recent one at least. Yeah. That's, that's a rough one too, because <laughs> it's, uh, you, you have to feel bad on the count of so many other people, like the scientists, the time you took of theirs yes. not, with nothing to show for it. Then, your colleagues that you want to sort of impress and show leadership. And, and I've, I've figured out, I've, I've shouldered this new path for media content creation and I'm going to, I got, I got it all under control. (laughs) How the hell do you, I'm I'm trying to think of like when you called these sort of engineer types and videographers, you know, and you're like, okay, so say, say you're in a situation where you have no recorded audio whatsoever. (laughs) Is there a way to like, recreate that audio from spont you know what did they call it spontaneous generation like uh you know they thought that yeah. uh like it was like on ships like with the barrels and the rags and they thought that's where the rats would come from or something <laughs> like there's some weird yeah. mystical switch that happens yeah. where you think that like out of the ether this audio can be recovered yeah yeah, it was it was essentially it was like that that was how it started and they pretty quickly were like you forgot to turn on the mic didn't you um I talked to three different guys like immediately before I even got back to the hotel and all three of them, I swear to you, all three of them went, Oh God, I've done that. Oh yeah. Mm. And which was, of course that was the, that was the big relief because I felt like I was the one bonehead in the world who didn't know to like flip the little switch and make the little green light come on so you could get sound because I also obviously wasn't running into earbuds or headphones to check the sound because I was an idiot. Yeah. And so, 
you know, that helped immensely. But then, yeah, then I went down the whole lip reading rabbit hole, which sent me down a weird track. But that's, <laughs> that's, that's, that's like a, when you find yourself on five or at three in the morning trying to get some dude from, you know, Bangladesh to sort out lip reading for, yeah, I, yeah, I, I can't even imagine. <laughs> You're like, no. okay, I know this is impossible, but the budget's $50. <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah. Can you handle it? Uh, well, no, that's that's awesome. Uh, so, well, I guess we'll, we'll wrap this up real quick, but I wanted to remind everybody to, uh, you know, like, share, subscribe to our business uh, here, the YouTube channel, the Twitters, all the things, the Art Fight podcast things, because we always, we always forget to, to ask people to do that. And we just started on all these new platforms. We'd only existed in podcast form, so we didn't really have that connection. Or like this, that's why your newsletter is so smart, because you immediately are tied to your audience, at least with an email address. We've been sort of operating for two years, just like people are listening. So I don't know who they are, but they're listening. Mm-hmm. Great. I can I can tell you all these de- I can tell you all this demographic information about them, but uh, but I can't poke them and say, hey, we're over here now or whatever. So now that we've done this new video thing. Uh, YouTube channel, Art Fight Podcast, uh, all the places. But the simplest thing is to go to artfightpodcast.com. But more importantly, where do people go to find all of your things? Now we're at that point, right? Yes. Yeah, <laughs> Tell yeah. us all about it. Totally. So, yeah, outervoice.net. Outervoice.net. .net. So, like the opposite of inner voice, outervoice.net. Um, and then I'm on Instagram as Outer Voice Arts, uh, on Facebook as Outer Voice, and on the Twitter as. Um, what am I? I think I'm out of voice arts. Okay. Um, yeah, out of voice art. It's cool. It? I love it. Anybody that's got a new vision and a new thing, I always want to try to cultivate energy and some wind and the sails or something. So hopefully this will turn on some people to to, to what you're doing. And and uh, and I, I just really appreciate you taking the time to hang with us and uh, and you know twice in a week. And, you know, it's only fair that we exchange horror stories. You got to live mine, and then I get to hear about yours. So it's <laughs> absolutely it's right. pretty good. Joe, you got anything? Uh, horror stories? No. <laughs> I'm sure you got plenty. <laughs> we'll get to those maybe next time. But in terms of, like, any shout-outs or uh, housekeeping? Uh, no, I really don't. I really don't. Um, I, I don't really have anything I'm doing right now that's uh, it's all just sort of uh, internal stuff, I guess. But... Uh, um, I'll try to think of something to talk about. Uh, I will say that next week, if you guys missed our first episode of Versus, it's our new show we're doing on uh, Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Central. It's a short uh, show. It's only supposed to be 10 minutes. The first one's about 20, but that's because we're we're going to trim some fat and make it even leaner and meaner on uh, this coming Tuesday. And uh, every week we're going to uh, propose a theoretical battle between a between a, uh, uh, a fighter and an artist, and then we're going to take them through three rounds of combat and then judge the winner. Um, and uh, this coming week, we're going to be doing uh, the great mixed martial artist, Tony Ferguson, versus the cosmic jazz composer, Sun Ra. Oh, wow. <laughs> I love it. So tune in for that. <laughs> Tony Ferguson, El Kukui versus oh, I have Sun one, Ra. I got to take my headphones off for a second because I got one more quick shout out. Hold on. Okay, he's got to take his headphones off. Um, I'll also give a shout out. Uh, if you're in Nashville uh, and you're in the Madison area or in uh, East Nashville or if you're in, um, let's say, uh, Old Hickory Village like I am, uh, you should uh, get in touch with Yazoo Brewery right before we got on the air here. They dropped off a case of beer on my porch. Wow. So I'm all set for uh, the Memorial Day weekend celebration. Brian's showing you a shirt. I got one of these shirts, too. I don't know if he's going to talk about it. Uh, or if he's going to just keep showing it to us. Got this us. really nice card from uh, yeah. Nancy Kidder. If, if you're out there listening, thank you. Follow at Nancy Kidder, at Nancy Ann Kidder, professor at American University, running literary salons based in combat sports. Yeah, the writing and fighting uh, class she has at American University. Brian and I have been lucky enough to be uh, – uh, uh, guest professors, let's call ourselves guest professors, um, on some of her uh, uh, recent classes, which are, of course, now uh, relegated to Zoom uh, as her students are spread all over the the world, maybe all over yeah. the country, sure, again. So uh, uh, we've had some fun uh, talking to uh, her and her students on her classes. Yeah. I also got my package. I haven't actually opened it yet. I think it's, I think I, I, some of these things end up in my package quarantine and then I yeah. haven't gotten, gotten it out yet. The so DMZ. I'll get it out this weekend. And I'll, <laughs> I'll put, I'll put on my shirt just in time to drink one of those beers I was just talking about. Yeah. 
<laughs> well, uh, hey, so I guess that's it for for this week, uh, Clay. Man, really, thanks a lot. Uh, uh, always, uh, always really appreciate it. And yeah, thanks for thanks for doing it with us twice. We'll get you out again for a third show soon. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, uh, and to everybody out there in the land, uh, listening or watching, uh, thank you. We, we, uh, we enjoy doing it and thanks for, for being on the ride with us. Uh, all right. And so we are out. We'll catch you guys, uh, you know, on the flippity flip after, uh, this little outro bit. All right. See you guys later. Okay guys, I love the Art Fight podcast, and I listen to every episode even though I am a robot trying to sound like an actual person. I know it takes a lot to keep the podcast going. How can I help? Go to anchor.fm forward slash artfightpodcast, click on the button, the big old button that says support this podcast, and once you get there you'll have three options. You can just choose the lowest level, you're going to pledge 99 cents a month to, to our production and and help us out again anchor.fm forward slash art fight podcast click on support this podcast all right thanks everyone